Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is his own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. Heavenly Father, will you speak through this broken, sinful, and powerless human being? Lord, I am nothing, but you are everything. You are the God who can shape minds, change hearts, and transform lives. So speak, O oh God. May we behold who Jesus is today. If any of us is lacking strength or the energy or the attention span, Lord, would you grant us special strength so that we may uh, take heed to your word. We thank you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In this new year, 2023, have you set new year resolutions? Maybe for some of you, you might be losing some weight, eating healthier foods, working out more, or to actually follow through when you say, hey, let's find a time to meet up and grab a meal together. And some of you may feel pressured or burdened to fulfill your resolutions. But Jesus invites us to find our rest in him. Because the kind of rest that our Lord Jesus demands of us is not idle inactivity. And that's why one of the many commandments that God gives us is to keep your Sabbath day holy and rest. That's a command from God. But that's not all. Jesus, Jesus also commands, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. And in this passage, Jesus commands us that, he actually commands us to also not to be anxious. Now, I just want to preface this before we move on. Not all anxiety is equal. Not all anxiety is equal. There's a level of anxiety that is a natural response to stresses and the threats in our lives that actually protects us. However, an abnormally high level of anxiety can be detrimental to one's health, even to a physical degree, such as panic attacks. So, I highly encourage, uh, for those of you uh, who are struggling through this, this high degree of anxiety, to seek counselors, 
therapist or whatever help you need if you have this kind of anxiety. And if finance is the only issue, uh, especially for those of you who are college students, please reach out to someone that you trust around you. You can even reach out to us pastors. Let's figure this out together. And if you need spiritual support, us pastors, we're here for you. That's why we're here. So please, please take advantage of the resources available around you here at this local church, KCPC. Having said that, today we will focus on the level of anxiety that is not on a clinical level, but on a spiritual level. And we will study this passage under three main points. If you could pull that up, please. Three main points. Number one, the source of anxiety. And number two, the futility of anxiety. And number three, the opposite of anxiety. So number one, the source. Number two, the futility. And number three, the opposite of anxiety. So for those of you who like to take notes, go ahead, do that. So first point, the source of anxiety. What exactly were people anxious about during the time of Jesus? Well, if you look with me in verse 25 and 31, it says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Verse 31 says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? So what were they concerned about? What were they worried about? Well, we see plainly here their lives, their health, future, what they will eat, drink, or wear. And the question naturally leads us to what are the sources of your anxiety today? What exactly are you anxious about? Perhaps the lack of stability in your family, in your finances, Job security, what if I get fired? What if no one hires me? The uncertainty of your future, what's going to happen to me in 5, 10, 20 years? What if I make the wrong choice? What if I don't fit in? What if I fail? What if I don't pass that exam? And at face value, it seems like the source of anxiety is something external to us. The situations and the circumstances. But in reality, the source of our anxiety is actually internal to us. And here's the truth. If you could pull up the um, next one. We worry because we lack faith. Could you guys say this with me? We worry because we lack faith. And this is why at the end of verse 30, Jesus says, Oh, you of little faith little faith. Anxiety at the heart of it is the lack of trust in God. Now, it's okay. It's okay to be concerned about what to do for today and, you know, plan for the future. And it's good to put our minds to the things that we're responsible for. However, an anxious heart is rooted in a deep lack of trust in God's provisions. So when we worry, we are believing that God either cannot provide or chooses not to provide for us. So we believe the lies that he doesn't really care about us, um, you know, or whatever we're going through, or he doesn't care about what we even need. 
But also the issue is not that we don't trust God at all. A lot of Christians actually have a certain degree of trust in in the Lord, right? Rather, the problem seems to be which areas of your life are you anxious about? Which aspect of your life do you have trouble trusting God with? And perhaps it's discouraging for you to hear Jesus saying to you, Jesus saying to us, oh, you of little faith. Because you might look at yourself and say, man, little faith, that's me. (laughs) I'm of little faith. And I understand. But I want to tell you this truth. Little faith is not the absence of faith, but a deficient faith that simply needs to grow. Let me say that again. Little faith is not the absence of faith, but a deficient faith that simply needs to grow. When Jesus says, oh, you of little faith, he is not just rebuking us. He is reinforcing us to grow in our trust in him. And we see this in Matthew chapter 14, when Peter walked on water to reach Jesus in the storm, but sank when he saw the wind. He got afraid and he sank, right? And Jesus says to Peter at that moment, what? Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And was that the end of it? No, right? As soon as he says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Jesus also immediately reaches out his firm, mighty hand as he's saying this. Peter was saved despite his little faith, right? And this is why I like to say it's not the subject of the faith, us, that needs to be strong, but the object of the faith, Jesus, that needs to be strong. Right? It's not the subject, right? The ones who are doing the act of faith that needs to be strong, but the object of the faith, the one whom we place our trust in, that needs to be strong. And this leads us to our second main point, the futility of anxiety, the futility of anxiety. Let's go back to verse 26 and read through verse 30. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So what is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying that being anxious is futile. It's futile. Being anxious is pointless because it truly does nothing. It does nothing. I mean, that's why Jesus rhetorically asked in verse 27, if you look with me again, it says, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life, right? And you know what the funny irony here is that being being anxious actually subtracts hours of your life, right? Worrying is a waste of time. Anxiety paralyzes us. 
And Jesus further illustrates the futility of anxiety by commanding us to look in verse 26 and consider in verse 28. So first, in verse 26, it says, look, look at the birds of the air that neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And you, brothers and sisters in Christ, and you are far more valuable than these birds to your heavenly Father. Second, in verse 28, consider, let's consider, right? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet, even King Solomon, who possessed all the riches, he was the wisest man. He, he received the admiration from men and women from all these places. Even he does not compare to God, how God clothes nature with such beauty that sometimes we just have to sit back and look in awe. And you, brothers and sisters, you are far more valuable than this nature, these fields to your heavenly Father. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Brothers and sisters in Christ, you are not just another, you're not just another creature made by God. You are far more valuable than anything else that God created in this world. Why? Yeah, well, of course, yeah, we're made in the image of God, but also because God identifies himself as our heavenly father. That's repeated throughout this passage, right? And the title, heavenly father, implies that God is both infinite, heavenly, right? Father, intimate, right? God is both infinite and intimate. That God is both sovereign and loving. Let's imagine this together. Imagine that your parents are billionaires, trillionaires, what have you. Would you ever, ever have to worry about if you're going to have enough money to do some, I don't know, groceries? No, that would be ridiculous, right? You would actually have access to so many resources that worrying about finances, about buying some eggs or whatever, wouldn't even cross your mind. And if the God, if the God of this universe who possesses everything in this world at his disposal, if he cares for you as your father, how futile would your anxiety be? How could Jesus tell me not to worry about anything when I have all these daily concerns and responsibilities? Well, Jesus did not say, do not take care of your life. Instead, he says, do not be anxious about your life, right? So let's take a look at this diagram of what we should do to care for our lives while also not being anxious. Uh, this is called the Circles of Responsibility. And I got this from the book uh, called Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands by Paul Tripp. And you'll see that there are two circles, two circles. First circle is the inner, lighter circle, right? We see that, right? Is our responsibility on what we have to do in the given situation. Now, the outer, the darker circle or ring is God's responsibility on what we must trust him to do in his own timing. So oftentimes when we worry, 
we tend to either try to expand this inner circle to take control of the areas, areas where we don't have control. Or we try to minimize, shrink the inner circle to live passively, thinking that we have little or no responsibility in our situations, right? And both of these responses, whether it's expanding or minimizing or shrinking, they're unhealthy. When we're hungry, we don't just go outside and look to the sky and open up our mouth saying, oh, Father, feed me, and, you know, expect him to just feed us with the manna, right? And there's actually an interesting quote by Martin Luther. says, uh, God provides food for the birds, but he does not drop it into their beaks. Right? The birds have to work for their food by searching and hunting, even though, you know, they don't have to sow, reap, or gather in a human way. And it is God who determines whether these birds will end up finding their food, right? So I'm going to ask us this question. How are you trying to minimize and or expand your responsibility in the midst of your worries? If you could uh, go to the next uh, circle of responsibility, you'll see a few things here. I don't know if you can see uh, some of the stuff here. But some of the things that we see within our responsibility in the inner circle is things that I must do to honor God, right? Whether it be Bible study, personal holiness, prayer, church involvement, spouse, parenting, effort at work and home, obedience to God's word, caring for body, time with friends, right? These are the things that we do, right? That we must do. That's our responsibility. And when we see in the, the outer circle, the darker outer circle is God's responsibility, right? Such as our future, Right? provisions for family, children's behavior, feelings of others, disasters, weather, health, illness, and even salvation of our loved ones. So here's an illustration. College students, are you guys here with me? You guys here? College students, you may be anxious about your academic success, but there is futility in worrying about the outcome of your grades. So students, yes, your, your inner circle responsibility is to study, work hard, prepare, right? But what kind of results you get after you take the exam is not your responsibility. Amen? Amen? <laughs> you actually do not have control over that. I know, sometimes it's hard to believe. So often, what happens is that outcome of your behavior is frustration or even cheating by expanding your inner circle when things don't go your way. Or the outcome of your behavior is procrastination or even giving up studying, where, which we minimize the inner circle. But the healthy structure is for the college students to do his best to study and to rest by trusting God with the result, the outcome of his grade. It's that simple. It really is. Uh, many college students now make fun of me for being old. Um, but in this congregation, they'll probably see me and say, oh, I'm still, I'm still relatively young-ish, right? And 
I, I still have much to learn and to grow. However, one thing that I've learned over these adult years of my life is life is very unpredictable, right? It's very unpredictable, and plans can change quickly and very easily. And this is why when people ask me, oh, Pastor John, what, what, you, what are your plans for the next five years, 10 years of your life? And I just genuinely don't have an answer. <laughs> I have trouble even thinking one year ahead of my life. So yes, plan ahead as much as you can, but also hold to those plans loosely. Be flexible to accept the changes that occur in your life because you may be surprised by what God has planned for you. Now that we have seen the futility, the uselessness, the pointlessness of anxiety, this leads us to our third main point, the opposite of anxiety, the opposite of anxiety. When the Bible commands us not to be anxious, it is not saying that we have the ability to remove the sources of anxiety. But what the Bible does command is how to respond in the midst of your anxiety. So how can we respond when we start to get anxious or when we are troubled by situations that arise us? So verse 33, let's look at that together. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What is this response essentially? It is faith. Faith. And it's not just any kind of faith, but a simple, single-minded faith. The opposite of anxiety is the simple and single-minded faith. Could you guys say, that, say this with me? The opposite of anxiety is the simple and single-minded faith faith. And we see this, this kind of faith in the story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10. Might be familiar to some of us. When Martha hosts Jesus, she is distracted with much serving. But Martha's sister named Mary, she simply sits at the feet of Jesus. She listens to him teaching. Martha then complains to Jesus saying, Lord, do you not care that my sister left me to serve alone? Tell her to come and help me. And guess how Jesus responds to Martha? Martha, 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 you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. What is the difference between Mary and Martha here? Martha is anxious, but Mary is anchored. Martha doubts that God cares. Mary trusts that God cares. Martha is distracted with many tasks, many things on her mind, so many things. But Mary is focused on one thing necessary, which is to be with Jesus, and to enjoy him. This is the simple and single-minded faith. But we often misplace our faith, right? We seek the wrong places. In verse 32, it says, For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. 
Church, where do you put your faith in? What or who do you seek in your life, especially in the midst of your worries? Perhaps you seek materialism, affluence, to secure your uncertain future because you place your trust in the amount of money that you possess. Perhaps you seek comfort in entertainment or certain kind of relationships because you place your trust in the entertainers or the specific people who give you what you want. But Jesus gives us a greater vision, a clear mission for our lives as Christians. What is that? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When the purpose and the goal of our lives are so clear and so grand, right? When we live for something that is far greater than ourselves, what happens is that our worries become less and less worrisome. So how exactly do we seek first the kingdom of, the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Well, some of the obvious answers are what? Read your Bibles and pray. Yay, right? That's, that's always a simple answer, right? But it's, I think it's a little bit deeper than that, right? Deeper than that is to turn to Jesus. Because there's a clear difference between just reading the Bible as a task versus seeking God through the Word. There's a clear difference between just praying as a routine versus turning to God through prayer. Seeking the kingdom of God is actually seeking the king who rules over that kingdom, right? Seeking the righteousness of God is actually seeking the only perfect righteous man, Jesus Christ. We seek his kingdom and his righteousness through our personal relationship with God. I mean, don't we do this with other people, right? When we get worried about something, we actually turn to someone that we trust, right? To confide in them, to get their advice, to hear their encouragement and receive prayer. So why can't we do this with Jesus? And brothers and sisters in Christ, my exhortation to you is let us turn to Jesus in the midst of our greatest worries. Amen. Now, what does it mean to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, right? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Well, here, Jesus is not telling us to let go and let God. Right? God does not desire us to live passive lives, right? Remember the inner circle of responsibilities? We have things to do. Jesus is not also telling us to only focus on the present. That's not what he's saying. Also, Jesus is not telling us to stop caring about our future. Rather, when he says seek first his kingdom of God and his righteousness, Jesus is telling us to prioritize the eternal matters above temporal matters. And the kingdom of God is not just one important priority in your life. It is the highest priority in your life. Every other priorities of your life must submit to and be placed under this greatest priority. Then you may ask, wait, isn't this kind of risky? 
And my answer is no, because every single one of us operate out of some sort of vision, mission, right? All the time. We may not be conscious of it, but we are. What's the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning? If you look at your phone to see any important messages or emails that your, pri- you know, your priority at that moment could be your relationships or your work. If you struggle and barely drag yourself to the bathroom to wash up and get ready, your priority at that moment could be your own comfort. So the question is, what is your mission, vision for your life? What are some of the eternal matters that we must prioritize in the midst of our daily lives? Well, the first immediate thing that I can think of is our theme for KCPC this year. Do you remember what our theme is? What is it? To engage the lost. To engage the lost. That has eternal consequences. Not just for you, but for the lost. Are you seeking first his kingdom by prioritizing, sharing the gospel with your unbelieving neighbors? Who are they? Who are your neighbors? Where are they? How can I reach out to them? Are you considering these things on a regular basis? That's what it means to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So what is the result of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? What's the result? Well, if you see second half of verse 33, it says, all these things will be added to you. So what are all these things that will be added onto us? What is Jesus promising here? He's promising all of our necessities, right? All of our necessities. Your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear, so on and so forth. James chapter 1 verse 17 says, Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Everything you could be anxious about, brothers and sisters, your heavenly Father knows and will provide for them all. He knows them all. He knows what you need, and he will provide. And brothers and sisters, our Father in heaven, he assures you that you already possess everything, everything in Christ Jesus. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, his divine power has granted to us all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness. There's nothing more we need. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This is what he says about us. Jesus ends this passage with verse 34. He says, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This means that you are to deal with the troubles of your life one day at a time. Because there's more trouble coming your way the next day. And hearing this, you may feel overwhelmed by this, by this reality. I mean, is Jesus saying that there's so much trouble in our lives that we can only deal with it one day at a time? And there's like a pile of troubles waiting for us next day. 
Well, look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. This is Paul speaking about God. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So yes, sufficient is today's troubles. But more than that, sufficient is God's grace for you to endure through today's troubles. Because grace, you know what grace is? Grace is the good that we receive from him that we don't deserve. Grace is whatever good we receive from him that we don't deserve. And when new troubles come tomorrow, God will provide just enough, the sufficient grace for you to endure those troubles of tomorrow. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? During my seminary uh, seminary days, um, I struggled financially, worrying about how I will pay for my tuition from you know for next semester and for my living cost. I had to figure out finances semester by semester, wondering if I'll even be able to graduate. And on top of that, I even wrestled with if pastoral ministry was the right calling for me. Anxiety took over my life in the very place where I'm supposed to be trained to study and teach the word of God. But looking back, I realized that the time and time again, God somehow provided for me. When I desperately asked God for and applied for various scholarships, but to no avail, God, in his irony, (laughs) provided me with work-study program. And when that job was taken away, I desperately asked God, oh, God, could you give me a new job? And God provided me with various scholarships. I don't know. I don't know why God was doing that. (laughs) And I realized throughout this whole process, my father in heaven was teaching me to trust him. And that even when the situation becomes grim, really bad, that he is ready to pour out his sufficient grace for that moment. You see, I didn't need to worry about these things because these things were added onto me eventually. The only thing I needed to focus on was to seek him first. Do you know why Jesus says, do not be anxious about what you will eat or drink? Isn't life more than food? Because Jesus is the bread of life. Because Jesus is the living water. His body was broken so that we may eat of him spiritually and be filled, satisfied. He shed his blood so that we can drink of his cleansing power of our sins. Do you know why Jesus says, do not be anxious about what you will wear? Isn't the body more than clothing? Because Jesus took off his robe of righteousness to clothe us with his righteousness instead. Why should we not be anxious about our daily lives? Because Jesus Christ secured our eternal lives. Why should we not worry about our future? Because Jesus Christ secured your ultimate future to be with him in the new heavens and new earth for eternity. So as 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, cast all your anxieties on him. Cast it all on him 
because he cares for you. Therefore, church, do not be anxious. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let us by faith seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness because everything has already been added onto us. Let us pray. And praising can come up. Let's take some moments to pray. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you already possess everything in Christ Jesus. You already possess everything, everything pertaining to life, godliness, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places are yours in Christ Jesus. So what we're going to do is take some time to pray, giving thanks to him for his provisions, to trust him with our prayer by seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness through our time of prayer. And I want to encourage us with one more passage. The Apostle Paul echoes the words of Jesus in Philippians chapter 4. says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, I want to understand what's going on with my life, but I'm going to trust in the peace of God you give me, which transcends all of my understanding, of my puny little mind, compared to your sovereignty, compared to your great wisdom. And it will guard your hearts and your mind. Church, give thanks to God about the ways he has provided for you in the past. And as you do, as you list the ways that he has provided for you, you'll see how faithful he has been. And give your request to God, especially whatever is worrying you. He will take it all. Let us take these things to the Lord. And what you will experience is that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your anxious hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So let's pray, shall we?